Blog Talk Radio. pieces of life and string them together. We are all about remembering, passing down, and honoring generational wisdom and that which inherently feels most natural to us as parents. This week, we have a very special guest who will be with us shortly, and we are continuing on our conversation from last week regarding the mother energy and the duality that's kind of happening in our culture between the need for moms to feel and to have this attachment with our children. A lot of us have been reading and talking about the Time Magazine article on attachment parenting as well as the baby book and Dr. Dr. Sears' approach to parenting, which really has the tenets to keep your baby on you at all times, not to let them have any whimpers or for any need to go um, to go unnoticed or unmet or uncared for, and it, it, it's raised like this this kind of contrary dualistic of dualistic happening um, with having the other side of the spectrum kind of feeling out of balance between moms really needing to release and <clears throat> and excuse me and kind of up on the heels of this article has also been the phenomena of the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy, which is really which is a book trilogy written by E. L. James, which is really about women releasing their power and and turning over to their sexuality, and it's a whole big erotica novel and movement. And these two things happening kind of on the heels of each other always one interests me, but I like to kind of go into a little bit more on the pros and cons. And last week on Mother Energy, the pearl of the day was to tap in. Today we're continuing talking with our theme being Lifeline and looking at the elements of our life and what we truly need. And at that very, very beginning, that core phase, and I think the level of attachment definitely is more needed at different stages with the between the parent and the child than others. <clears throat> the newborn stage obviously being the most crucial, the crucial stage where the attachment and the bonding and that that necessity between the parent and the child is is more needed. And what happens in the beginning though, like at least from my experience, was with having two children. I actually had two children via C-section, and there's a whole other aspect that's happening around home birthing, which I just wrote an article for Your Bella Life, which will be posted probably in the, in the ne- within the next month. And but the the need to kind of go back to basics. We have all this modern technology that's kind of stepped in and, and done a lot of the work for us. We have this whole industry that's booming around the birthing business, including making ba- the makers of baby formula. And it's kind of it's kind of taken us backwards 
from the real primitive stance of it just being mother and and child having a baby wherever, out in a hut or out in the field with no modern technology around. Now, there's all sorts of feelings around it, but, you know, that is in its core state with a woman in its body and just trusting that it knows how to how to create a baby from an egg and do that whole miraculous process of literally creating a person that has nothing to do with your logical mind but has everything to do with just a symbiotic symbi- symbiosis of nature. And when that happens, obviously it's the most beautiful thing and there's a trust that happens and there's this connection, at least if you're one of the moms that experience a wonderful pregnancy without throwing up and vomiting 24-7 and is able to thoroughly enjoy that, that beauty and that nature and there's a whole powerful mother energy creation space that envelops the mother, that envelops the womb, that you can tap into and that's really also inherent in everything else that we do and we touch in this in this lifetime. Our mother energy sense, not just from being a biological mother, but in literally everything we give birth to. But when we do give birth to 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 a baby, and it is in the physical form of having the mother and the and the baby, there is that level and that constant play out of attachment. So talking about really in the newborn phase of 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 the initial stages of parenting, of what is needed. Today we're going to be talking to the director of of the Lactation Institute at the La Leche League. And her name is Ellen Schell. And for anybody who has even entertained the thought or done any research in breastfeeding, knows very well that the La Leche League is one of the premier advocates for breastfeeding. They're very pro-breastfeeding and they're very for taking the basic the basic approach to empowering the connection and fostering the connection between the mother and child through the most natural state of, of breastfeeding. Of course, breastfeeding doesn't always come, come or at least feel that natural to moms, and it doesn't always happen, but I'm really interested to kind of dive in today with our guests on this topic of attachment parenting, on the topic of how long really does a child need to be breastfed, and when does it get into what we were, we were starting to talk about last last week, and when I feel that the moms are kind of, a lot of moms in society are kind of backing away from the, the issue that's being raised in the Time Magazine article when seeing a young hot mom and her three-year-old son who's still breastfeeding. So I'm happy and excited to dive into this today with our special guest, Ellen. Ellen, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Hi. Hi. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. I know it's it's bright and early where you are. Um, so So thank you. So good morning and thank you for being with us. Um, can you kind of backtrack to give us a little bit more of history and insights into the La Leche League and how you kind of came to to be a part of it? Well, La Leche League is a organization that's over 50 years old. And uh, it was formed by seven women who uh, were friends and had breastfed their babies and uh, struggled through the first few. They had the numerous children and um were finally realized that young mothers need some help getting getting the whole thing started so they uh formed a a a get together where they met weekly in people's homes and uh just talked about breastfeeding and how you do it and uh, what's involved and uh the the movement uh, just uh blossomed from there 
and uh, is now an international organization with thousands of leaders. And um, <clears throat> there are group meetings being held uh, all over the world. And um, we talk about breastfeeding and answer mom's questions. Right. It's. A, I mean, it's amazing. It starts with seven women in a, in a room. It's really all you need to change to change the entire landscape. Right. It is an amazing thing that these. Uh, this organization really turned the world around. From an organization, uh, when I became involved in the seventies, um, by the sixties, breastfeeding was at its lowest percentage. Uh, women were told that uh, they were only breastfeeding for their own needs and their own desires. It didn't matter at all for the baby and was of no advantage. But by the time I got involved, that's where we were. And the Leitcha League and all of the leaders all over the world turned that whole thing around so that now today we we understand lots of research has been done, although the research was actually there uh, even then, um, much of it, that, that it is important to breastfeed, that it does... Uh, create healthier babies and babies that have less visits to the doctor, less ear infections and um, and less diarrhea and all those really aggravating things you have to go through with babies. Uh, you know, I never had sick kids. I never had diarrhea, which was, was lovely, <laughs> really wonderful. Uh, but I remember being told that you need to have lots of sheets for the crib because of the diarrhea, and then I never had it, that. Um, so it, it it has been really interesting to watch that change in the world that now everyone is understanding that breastfeeding is a really important thing for babies. Well, for me, what's, what's it, what I find interesting is really seeing the switch back from being in a state of modern technology and really wanting to utilize modern technology as much as we can, which which comes with the industry of of baby formula and um, and all the products that that we need. But it, there's always a balance between how much do we rely on technology and on all of that that man-made stuff versus the natural state of being and kind of the natural process of you know, being a mother like animals that they can we can create milk for our children. And I remember for for myself when um, before I got pregnant and before I was even married, and you know we would just have conversations about picturing ourselves married with children, and the conversation of breastfeeding would come up, and I used to kind of wince at it, and it wasn't really until I was I was closer to the state of being pregnant and um, and having that more connection with my body of. of getting to the point of understanding where it makes sense if the body's if the baby's feeding literally feeding off my body for nine months that it makes sense that it should continue to feed off me at least for the early stages of its of its life well that's one of the interesting things about human beings is that we are unique in the world and we are the only animal that it walks upright and uh, we have the largest brain and our brain has to develop, uh, the baby has to develop speech, and we're the only animal that, that speaks. And so in order for that to happen... Well, speech speaks in language, right? I mean, other animals communicate through sound, but not in articulated... They communicate, but it's speaking a language, yes. They right. all, uh, yes, animals communicate. They have voices, as we, as we know, with our dogs. <laughs> and um, 
we but they that we have to learn to speak language and in order to have that happen the baby has to be with adults hearing language being spoken and and watch us speak it and <clears throat> the um we also deliver our babies at a very immature state so they are uh they're really not able to walk like when a horse is born it can walk around mm-hmm. um but a human baby cannot walk for mm-hmm. around 9 months to a year um so they're not as mature and independent which is why we feel it's really important that the baby needs another 9 months of gestation being very close to mom and um uh, which is why the concept of of wearing the baby which uh Bill Sears Dr. Bill Sears um mm-hmm. coined that term putting the baby in a sling and and keeping the baby close to even the mother's body uh as much as possible why that uh, has been promoted that that it's fulfilling that need to continue the the gestation um but on another side of that that doesn't mean 100% of the time uh the baby can uh you know be laying down to sleep in its bed or um you know when the mother has uh, time to to relax um it doesn't have to be 24/7 it just mm-hmm. means a lot um right. and, and I think most mothers find that babies love to be carried a lot. Right. Uh, uh, so uh, you don't have to go to feel so pushed that it's uncomfortable for you. That's not necessary. It should be convenient for you to be carrying the baby around. And uh, having the baby feel that natural rhythm of the mother walking and moving, which is good for her to get up out of her chair and walk around, um that that's good for the baby. Right. See all of, all of that makes sense for me, but as far as practicality of how the modern world works, like sometimes it just doesn't work out that way and a lot of moms one they call in baby nurses or people to help them, you know, from the early outset because one unless you have a child have already had a child like kind of don't know what to do and there is a natural maternal instinct that kicks in so and i and there is a more natural connection that you had that the mom has with baby and can pick up on the cues and that you feel like the resonance of of what they're feeling um you know with you just as a mom but at the same time like i like i remember like i still needed to be taught what to do with with a baby and and with a newborn and they say that the first at least the first three months after the baby is born, it's really like the fourth trimester that you know, like you like you were saying, as far as that they are so immature and that 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 they're still kind of coming coming into the space of, of being here. So that is all very very important. But I feel like there's so much pressure on on the mom to just know what to do out of the bat. And that only kind of leads to more stress and the beautiful, serene environment that you're painting about being able to wear the baby and being really close and, and having having that natural connection and being able to feed and nurture it. Like sometimes, you know, like that could happen almost in between panic attacks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which Rather, is the importance, the importance of the community because right. the, the mother naturally does not 
she is not meant to be alone. Many of us mm-hmm. live uh, when we have our babies in our gilded cages, and mm-hmm. it is not a healthy place for the mom to be. She needs to be out in the community of other women, uh, especially other women, but people in general, just to be out and be among your friends who are nurturing you. Um, your friends who are critical and uh, friends and relatives who are critical and putting you down are probably people that you don't want to be around as much. Uh, relatives, they're harder to avoid. Friends right. are easier to avoid. But but um, you want you to be in an environment of people who support you. And that's the importance of going to a La Leche League meeting where you are feeling nurtured by the other women there. Um, um, Women should not be alone, and raising a baby is a difficult thing. And it is not only the mother that is important in the baby, the new baby's life. The father is extremely important. I would say equally important. It's different role. But it's mm-hmm. an equally important role. And the grandmothers, which I happen to think is a very important role, <laughs> they are important. And the, the, the intimate friends, the aunts and the uncles, um, all of those people are important to the baby and the baby feeling secure and nurtured. So it's all the weight is really not on the mother's shoulders. Other people need to be involved. And if the mother is in a community where she doesn't have other friends who are breastfeeding, she's going to need to seek that out, to find other friends who are breastfeeding, either just in the neighborhood, in the park, um, uh, at places like the YMCA. I remember going there for swimming lessons and meeting all kinds of mothers, uh, joining mommy and me groups uh, at churches and temples and things like that. Uh, religious institutions that have mommy and me groups, those are important to be involved in all of those things so that the mother feels nurtured and doesn't feel that the burden is overwhelming to her. Right. Right. I think I think those are all amazing points because there, there is such an intense vulnerability that you feel being being a mom on on one hand it's the most empowering amazing experience of an accomplishment to just even have a baby and give birth and have that experience and know that your body can do it and at the same time it's you're you're dealing with the challenges of not only caring for a new baby and again there's no transition from <laughs> from being pregnant into motherhood it's it's an instantaneous thing and then still dealing with your the physicality of having a baby and going through the hormones and your body transitioning back back um and and through that process you just suddenly feel vulnerable you want to do everything that you can for for your little one and you want it to be protective and you want to make all the all the right choices so couldn't agree with you more about having the most nurturing protected sacred space that you can and if you don't feel that you have that within your immediate support system you know being brave enough to actually go out and seek it seek it elsewhere Yes, there there are lots of good people around that that you can find, and it, it's it's also important um, for the mother to understand that she's she wants to be perfect, the perfect mother. And uh, boy, do I remember that feeling 
and mm-hmm. and that's a good feeling. It, you do want to try hard to make the right decisions and do the right thing, but you're not going to make 100% right decisions. You're going to do some things that later you will feel, oh, I should have done it a different way, or I should have done it this way or that way. And at some point you have to say, I did the best I could with the information I had at the time. Mm-hmm. So for some women, they've not been able to breastfeed, and mm-hmm. and or they didn't think it was important, or they didn't understand its importance, and perhaps with their second or third child, they did. And now they're feeling very badly that their first child didn't get breastfed. But you did the best you could at that time, and yeah. that's what we have to keep saying to ourselves. I'm doing the best I can with the information I have, and... Seek information if you don't know enough about something. But sometimes you have to make a decision based on all I have right now. And right. You, the, the decisions with raising your children come fast and furious, and that can feel overwhelming also. But there has to be forgiveness of ourselves for some of the things. And the child is its own individual. He's going to be mostly what he's going to be based on what he's going to be. And I think we can do things terribly wrong, uh, abusing children, for example, that mm-hmm. which is not something we want to do, but we know it happens. Um, but, you know, we do the best we can. We, right. we, yeah. we seek to make good decisions, and and a lot of it's out of our hands. And our children are going to grow. I have three grown children, so... Uh, and a grandchild. Know, and two grandchildren. <laughs> and finally a granddaughter. This is so, so delightful. But children will not grow up to be perfect as as we envision it. They will be what they need to be, and that's what we need to nurture, to to get them to become the people that they need to and want to become. Right. See, I, and, I, and I love that you have a more individualized approach because, um, you know, honestly going into this, into this conversation and, and and hearing how much more base you are as far as supporting the community, you know, because a lot of women, they kind of get, there's a fear factor when they hear La Leche. They just feel like La Leche, the La Leche League is more like the La Boob Nazi, <laughs> Nazi yeah. League as far as it being overwhelming pressure to just do breastfeeding and you know from somebody who also supplemented and had better luck with my second child with breastfeeding than my first all that guilt was there and part of it you know I was educated there was a huge overwhelm of of education and was looking for that support either way and on on the one hand you you can find any any opinion that you're really looking for if you want to be told you're doing it wrong, I guarantee you there's people in your life that can will tell you you're doing it wrong. And if you want to be told that there's another way to do it, you can find that opposing view. So we can we can kind of seek any answers we we choose. But knowing that it's a little bit more um, more of a supportive to that individualized process at least gives me more comfort in, in knowing that there is not a one boob fits all approach to parenting and breastfeeding and what's going to work for you. And if you're exhausted at night and you weren't, weren't able to pump enough during the day that you can give that you can give formula, you can supplement if you don't have it, and, like, that's a, that's going to be okay, too. Um, I did want to talk a little bit more about further down the line because I think, you know, we can all agree that 
breastfeeding is maybe the most natural way, maybe the most healthiest healthiest way, but up to really what point? Up to what point does it become more of a you're more serving your own interests than serving than serving your child's interests? And, and when do we really need to cut the lifeline cord? Um, babies, um, we in La Leche League, what we recommend is that. Uh, the breastfeeding should continue as long as the mother and the baby desire it. There are times when the mother needs to wean, and there are times when uh, the idea of letting the baby just make all the decisions is not appropriate either. Um, mm. So it is perfectly healthy and psychologically healthy for mother to make the decision to wean, but it is also important for it to be baby-led, that if at all possible, that the mother is taking into consideration the individual uh, feelings and needs of a particular baby. Some babies don't, you know, they breastfeed because it's the food, and they they aren't really into it. It's just there. And other babies, it's just so important. They're, they're intense about breastfeeding. And uh, and to take it away from them, you know, they just become devastated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm, think, I'm laughing as I'm thinking of one child in particular, a, a mommy friend of mine. Her baby loved breastfeeding, and she she had him on her like had her on him, her all the time with the cover, and all you would hear is. It's all you heard from this baby. It was one content baby. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> But but for others, it's just it's there. Okay, fine. It's good. That's it's fine, and it's fine not to, and it's fine too. It just you know they're they're very blasé about it, and right. that 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 comes with the territory. Babies are individuals, and right. if if with you have a, a time in a baby's life where it's very important for him to be breastfeeding, for you might be moving, for example, and that's a tense time. Um, that may not be the best time to, to try and wean a child, um, but the mother can have a say in it. We, the um, the American Pediatric Association recommends a year, but the uh, World Health Organization recommends two years right. of, of breastfeeding and beyond. And both of them say and beyond. And uh, mm-hmm. the American Academy is just establishing at least a year. And the World Health Organization is saying at least two years, if at all possible. Right. If at right. All I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, I, I don't know many, many women and many moms who breastfeed really past a year. Like, a rare occasion, you know, it, it, it's it's not the norm. You know, usually you hear more up to, like, six months, eight months, a year until they get their teeth, until they start really moving around, until mom has to go back to work. And that's a whole other topic we really didn't get to dive into today about, um, you know, having that closeness really, really shattered and all the tenants that we say that they should be, that mom and baby should be close as soon as possible, where our society is based around, you know, you have three months for a maternity leave if you even get that. So, um, you know, but it's kind of... you can continue, society. just to say, we can sure. continue and work and breastfeed. That can continue, right. too. And you know, with pumping and continuing the milk, it's not easy. That's a lot of work. And right. I, 
and 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 my uh, my uh, my hat really goes off to the women that pull that off that mm-hmm. that is a really a uh an amazing amazing job they do yeah i mean and and it's really going from doing it behind closed doors in in the bathrooms to some companies even setting up you know nursing rooms and a little bit more of a private more comforting area than a than a sterile gross <laughs> bathroom to to pump in but it's but it's do still we want to do we want to talk just a bit about it, since we're getting close to the end of of right. of age of weaning um sure. and what what is normal uh sure. i want to uh, recommend that people look up Catherine detweiler um Great. she has this wonderful article and she did some research she is an anthropologist a phd anthropologist and she did wonderful research uh comparing when mammals uh particularly primates wean their babies and using various standards on on that um she compared weaning ages to the length of gestation to the uh doubling or tripling uh, birth weights to when uh, the uh permanent molars come in mm-hmm. to um halfway to the age of uh mature sexuality uh, several different um, uh, things to look at and compared those with various animals and then applied them back to the human. And she found that weaning ages, that, that the natural weaning ages for humans would be somewhere between 2.5 years and wow. 7 years. That would be what we should expect. And... Yeah. I had. I, I, I don't see that going mainstream anytime soon. But oh, but, well, it, yeah. it is in California. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening in New York. And we had Lalitcha League had an interesting experience. The seven women who founded the the Lalitcha League, none of them breastfed any of their children beyond a year. Mm-hmm. And yet, once that organization got started, and they said to women, you know, you can breastfeed as long as as the two of you want to. That when they gave mothers the permission and the babies the permission to to wean, to wean when they were done with it, um, what they found is they had babies breastfeeding two years old, three years old, mothers having another baby and breastfeeding two of them together. Uh, you know, they were shocked. They didn't know that would happen, but it did. And then they had to start doing research. Well, what does this mean? And then they found this is perfectly normal throughout the rest of the world, especially in more traditional cultures, uh, that that that's exactly the way babies handle it. And they they get done themselves, and they just naturally wean and stop. Um, so uh, it does happen. Uh, you don't have, certainly we're not talking about forcing children to nurse. <laughs> Uh, it, it's just something that is pleasurable to both mother and baby, and it's also still continues to be healthy for babies when they breastfeed, breastfeed longer. So it is, it, it is okay to do it. And if you, there's also the other pressure around that you feel like when you're within a group of people that there's some sort of competition for how long did I breastfeed? Oh, and she managed to go 10 months and I only did nine. Or she did 18 months and I only did a year. And then you're feeling inadequate. Mothers have this amazing ability to feel inadequate for whatever right. they're doing. And we and have to realize... 
instead of feeling inspired, seeing what other people are doing and being inspired, we take it as a sense of inadequacy. And, yeah, right. we need to cut and, that out. And, and I want to warn you, don't do that to yourself. You know, right. you're doing a really good job. And if you manage to breastfeed for one week and that's all it worked out, you know, you had your reasons. And, uh, and, and you have to get back into that space to remember, you know, what that felt like why I had to make that decision to 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 only breastfeed for a month or a, a, six months or whatever. There were good reasons why you made the decisions you made. And, oh, right. Um, we, we, can, we can justify pretty much anything. But it was important, <laughs> no matter how long you breastfed, mm-hmm. that was extremely important for your child. Right. Whether it was a week, six months, a year, all of it, is very important every every drop you gave. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this. I mean, I I my perspective has opened up and I hope that many of the moms and dads listening that your perspective has opened up too about really seeing the La Leche League as a community of women and inspiring you to support and um and only one in you know, figuring out your own way and that that is good enough for everyone. Um, the La Leche League can be found at www.lli.org. There are meetings and groups probably in your neighborhood, the hospitals, they all know the La Leche League. Ask them for lactation consultant. Ask them for resources. Find a group near you. Find a community of women who you are comfortable with and who can nurture you through that through that very vulnerable time and hopefully will continue the bonds with you as your children and grow and you experience the ups and downs and joys and whirlwinds of motherhood. And Ellen, thank you again so much for, for being with us today on Mama's Pearls. It was really, really a pleasure for me. And um, and thank it you so much. It was a pleasure for me too. Thank you so much. Um, And again, everyone, this is Cynthia of Mama's Pearls just reminding you to take time to enjoy your children, enjoy your family, say I love you, and just remember that the lifeline that we create is all, it's all good. And like Ellen said, we cannot do it alone. There is a mutuality that happens between mother and baby and to trust your inner guide and your support systems of what is going to work for you. Thank you again so much, Ellen. Thank you.